Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. I'm having so much more fun now. I have let them show me how to live their way. This is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 247. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute material to every issue, so give it a try. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail, made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to the slow poisoner at gmail.com that's the slow poisoner at gmail.com while supplies last you remember them from your childhood half for the friendly ghost richie rich hot stuff baby huey sad sack and little audrey you read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. Hey, hey, it's Charles Rosenay from the Monkeys Interview Show here on Monkey Mania Radio. So proud to announce the release of a brand new book called Not Just Happy Together, The Turtles from A to Z. That's right, the other band besides our monkeys who should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, The Turtles, a great new book that's a discography. It's got interviews, it's got reviews, it's got everything you might want to read about. 
If you're a 60s fan like I am and love the Beatles and the Monkees and the Turtles, Not Just Happy Together has a front cover and a back cover by Henry Diltz, a forward by Gary Puckett, and it's published by Genius Music Books, an imprint of Genius Book Publishing, now available from www.notjusthappytogether.com. Hope you pick it up. I know you're going to love it and uh, enjoy all the stuff about the Turtles. Thank you for listening to Monkey Mania Radio. Hey, hey. In Fun Ideas Productions news, Not Just Happy Together, The Turtles from A to Z, AM Radio to Zappa, is now available from Genius Publishing. You can order directly from GeniusBookPublishing.com or from Amazon. Stars of Walt Disney Productions and Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game, and the revised and updated Looking for the Good Times Monkeys book are all still available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and through Bear Manor Media. Unconditionally Mad is still being formatted and should see publication in 2024. I'm currently working on an article about Mr. Weatherby and my TV animation book, and another monkey's book, and a book on Marvel's Crazy Magazine. More on these later. On today's show, we have three Marvel Comics fans, also known for Twisted Pulp. They're here to discuss their new book, The Marvelous Bronze Age, Conversations with Marvel Comics Creators of the 70s and 80s. Here they are, Mark Slade, Lothar Tuppen, and Chauncey Haworth. This meeting is being recorded. Hi, this is Mark at Lincoln. Blah. I could. I, 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 never mind. Okay. Hi, this is Mark at. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing this. Okay. I'll cut all this stuff up. Hi, this is Mark at Fun Ideas Podcast, and today I have not one, but not two, three guests, uh, and they've all written a book called The Marvelous Bronze Age, Conversations with Marvel Comics, Creators of the 70s and 80s. And I have, in no particular order, Mark Slade, Lothar Tuppen, and Chauncey Haworth. How are you all doing today? (laughs) Uh, Hey, how you doing, Mark? Good. So, Thanks for having us on, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I guess it. I'll go around the room. I'll talk to Mark since I was talking to him first. Um, <laughs> where do you hail from? And uh, tell us a little background about yourself, how you got involved with comic books and all your interests. Uh, uh, well, I'm from uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, I'm probably the only guy here that's on the East Coast, I believe. Um, comic books? Uh, shoot. Ever since uh, I, I saw my first cover to Ghost Rider comic book uh, in the uh, probably a grocery store, snatched it up. My mom didn't even know I had it, and she had to go back and pay for it. And uh, she was probably sorry that she paid for it because I had nightmares after I read it or looked through it. I, I couldn't really read it. And uh, I was a huge uh, Spider-Man fan, and Lothar will uh, attest to this because of the electric company. You know, yeah, right. they used to <laughs> exactly. So you know, it got me into reading, and uh, my brother was always my brother Doug was always surrounded with uh, comic books and magazines. Certain magazines I wasn't supposed to look at, and uh, his record collection. So uh, a lot of eighty-seven precinct and uh, Ray Bradbury, and um, a lot of a lot of Stephen King at the time. Well, I was probably only three books maybe two books of his, but you know, and, and uh, a lot of old television that my, my family used to watch, you know, and me and my younger brother, Tim were really into 
comedy, we were into Steve Martin. We were into uh, Saturday Night Live. And later on, when SCTV came about, that's who we really loved. And Jerry Lewis. So mm -hmm. that's about it. <laughs> cool. All right, Luther. Well, um, surprisingly enough, I actually have the very first comic I ever bought, which is a replica. It's not the original one, but I did track this down when we were working on this oh, book. Wow. It was like this Marvel team up number 16. My uh, grandmother took me to a local, uh, I don't know, whatever it was a drugstore or whatever it was with the spinner racks way back in the day and uh, saw a comic book and was blown away. Like I had no idea these things even existed. And I was probably six years old at the time. So, and then uh, fell quite in love with that and loved comics pretty much my whole life since then. And where do you hail out of? Uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, okay. California. Yep. I'm originally from California myself, but anyway. Right on. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I lived in San Francisco for 10 years, but anyway, we can go into that later. Uh, Chauncey, how about you? I'm a California expatriate. I uh, now live in like Southern Oregon. I live in Ashland, Oregon. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I drew my first comic when I was like uh, six years old, probably about, and I was obsessed with drawing and creating in general, you know, um, and, you know, over the years, try comics, me and my friend Jason, when we were like 10, turned my room into a comic studio, you know, uh, I, I only ever had made one or two, but uh, for years we tried. Uh, but as far as comics were concerned, I was really the classic X-Men uh, era of collecting for me. So, uh, you know, the Storm and and uh, Wolverine era of X-Men was was definitely my segue in. But uh, I'm a I'm a classically trained nerd, so I'm on a I'm on a wide uh a wide breadth of nerddom, you know, um, one of which we were talking before this started about Star Trek. And <clears throat> I saw the original uh, Next Generation when it came out because my mom was a fan. So we sat down and we got ready. My mom got some potted meat and crackers. And uh, I watched the very first episode. I was all into it to the point that I recorded the audio onto a tape deck of the soundtrack to the next generation in the original episode and i filled up both sides with it on repeat and i would go to sleep to it at night imagining my own little stories from uh from this stuff so pretty much uh, i was a dreamer till i had children at which point i had to grow up oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right I'll, I'll say a little background about myself since uh, you may not know who i am uh but i i grew up in san jose saratoga area south bay um, and then I lived in Southern California for a few years, uh, but mainly Northern California. And then I'm up here in Springfield, Oregon. Um, was in Eugene for a bit, but I moved up here about 10 years ago. So, and I would go back to California in a minute if it didn't cost so much. So that's my story and I'm sticking with it. Um, as far as <laughs> it's funny that you say that because my wife is going back to school for her master. She decided to buy her way back into California to get a better job. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then as far as comic books go they were always around and, but they weren't just superhero comics so i remember having like an underdog comic a thor comic a casper comic a uh, baby snoots uh scooby-doo you know it was all these just random stuff the three stooges you know just random stuff and slowly over time you know i just bought more and more things my gateway probably to spider-man is like what mark said from the electric company 
I think I knew of them before that, but you know, I did like Spidey Super Stories because they did they were easier to read. <laughs> and yeah. uh you know, whenever Superman or Batman or whatever was on TV, cartoon version or live action version, I always watched it and stuff like that. So um you know, pretty much enjoyed it. And then, you know, as the 80s wore on and things changed with my beloved characters, I kind of moved away from superheroes and stuff like that. And if you don't know who I am in that regard, I'm the big Harvey guy. I know, like, everything there is to know about Harvey and did the Harvey Comics Companion and blah, 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 right. blah. But that doesn't mean I don't know my stuff about the other publishers, because in order to understand Harvey, you have to understand everything else. So. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> because everybody well, I listened who, to you on that uh, Eric show. On which show? Oh, oh, oh yeah, Eric's, yeah. Eric Eric Sinich. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. And thank we'll you. I think on. you were the one who got me to go on that show. I knew nothing yeah, about yeah. it, you know. So <laughs> And here we are. So um you also are published with this book through Bear Manor, which is my main main publisher uh for most of my books, if you are not, but uh you know, this is kind of an odd uh book for bear manor so because they don't do too many comic book related things i've done a few but you know yeah. i kind of sneak it in under the guise of uh oh this is also a tv show or oh this is also a movie series or something like that but just to go straightforward comic books uh was ben having an off day that day and said yes or what's the deal <laughs> well maybe so uh andy roush i don't know if you know him he he helped me out we had worked on the joe lansdale interview book together mostly it was him but uh you know i'd, I'd done uh, quite a bit of research uh especially internet archive for him to find these interviews of joe lansdale mm -hmm. and um you know Right before that book came out, I, I contacted him. And I said, hey, do you know any publishers who might be interested in the Marvelous Bronze Age book? And he he said, yeah, I've got two. I said, I, you know, I tried the University of Mississippi, and they wouldn't even return my emails. And I don't know what's up. And he says, ah, he said, screw those guys. He said, uh Ben, he, he will probably be interested because he loves comics. Yeah. And then he gave me another publisher and he said, but this guy's a little more strict on things. And I did contact that one other guy and he just gave me a laundry list of things that I had to meet before he could even read it. And I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> I'm not working that hard. <laughs> so I, I emailed Ben and he said, yes, I'd be very interested in this. Well, that's you know, good. Because <laughs> I, I told him... I told him that I'd already had three people lined up, um, which was uh, Marv Wolfman. I think it was Steve Englehart and might have been Frank Bronner who immediately replied. And the other people, it took like maybe, you know, a couple weeks for them to get back to me. But uh, how the book even started was I was at a Christmas party and a family friend started talking about saying that the Teen Titans outsold the X-Men. And I go, wait a minute, I'm not so certain that's true. And then he come up with all these reasons of why he thought. And I go, you know, are you talking about maybe one month out of the early 90s? And then I go, no, that couldn't be. Because they had, what, about 20 of those X-Men books going? Right. You right. know, and so, you know, that was the catalyst besides I was listening to a couple of podcasts, which is what I 
what we said in the introduction. Mm-hmm. And I just hit up Chauncey and I hit up Lothar and, you know, you know, so, you know, to use their specialties, uh, Chauncey's really great at uh, interviewing and, uh, you know, uh, Lothar can come up with some great interview questions and great personality. Me, I'm the, I'm the lump uh, on the log. I don't know <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, I try to follow them and try to remember things that I knew. And Chauncey's also really good at research and Lothar's really good at it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how the whole thing started. But Ben, one, ben of, Mark's, one of Mark's superpowers, Mark, Mark Slade's yeah. superpower is to basically get the majority of people he asks to do things to actually do them. Um, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> the various sure. people where it's like, you know, wait a minute, we've got Marv Wolfman and Frank Brunner and all these people lined up already. And we have, we've just decided to do this. And, right. you know, with our fictional stuff, he's able to get some amazing authors to contribute uh, to our very small press uh, screaming eye press. And, and it's, it's been fantastic. So Mark's really good at, at outreach and um, getting people to, to participate. You know, speaking of screaming eye press, I don't see why Bayer Manor wouldn't be totally on board or any other because it's like if somebody comes to us and we're just all so you're telling us you're just gonna do all the work and then provide us with it, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like all sweet, we're in, you know. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you, I'll tell you where that came from. Is you know, I've been with Bear Manor since 2007. And uh yeah, you know, I used to pitch different ideas. And if it was more comic book related, at least back then. Uh, he was kind of like, mm, nah, you know, even right. if he was a fan, he just didn't think it would sell. And he has published other books. There's a Silver Age comic book that he did um, about Silver Age yeah. comics. Forgot the author's name. And uh, there's a couple others that he did before yours came along. So, he, you know, he's he's turned around, you know. And I'm sure the he, MCU was a factor in that. Yeah. And, and um, I think also, you know, my bi- books that are not Marvel really have sold well. So he, he, he's more willing to give a chance. <laughs> so there we go. Right, right. And the explosion in popularity of Marvel is probably oh, yeah. just oh, on yeah. a sheer keyword search loan uh, level alone is probably making a little more appetizing, I guess. Yeah. Now Chauncey, you mentioned uh, you guys were together prior to this. Um, now I did a little research trying to figure out what you've done. The only thing I came up with is, twisted pulp magazine is that something you guys have worked on what is in is that the first thing you worked on or how did you guys get together to work on projects yeah that's the very first thing um we uh i did a radio show called uh radio wasteland and we were on the para x radio network and so was mark with some audio dramas and uh, Mark ended up coming on uh, my show to talk about the audio dramas and uh, we hit it off and it somehow led to a conversation about pulp and pulp stuff like that. And it eventually, uh, I said, Hey Mark, have you ever thought about doing a magazine? And he's just all, yeah, just like every other day. And, uh, <laughs> and so we, we went for it. I I think we started the twist and pulp radio hour first. Yes. And then yeah. that sort of segued into the station? magazine. What was Her the radio app? station? No, it was another one. It was the oh, one. KKRN. Uh, yeah, KKRN that you were yeah. on as well, and you right. had to hook me up with them. Right. Mark and I, yeah. Mark and I worked on audio dramas uh, together for a number of years. Um, both I, I voice act and I produce, and he produces and writes, and I write. And we worked together on the Daniel Dread audio drama together. Okay. And then Mark hit me up to be a host for their 
Twisted Pulp Radio Hour as a crazy, um, crazy Dr. Mary von Rocksprocket, uh, this mad scientist. And so we did that for a while. And then that turned into Twisted Pulp Magazine. Hmm. Got it. Okay. And then how did all this kind of parlay into a mutual love for Marvel Comics? Or did it? <laughs> well, me, me, and, uh, me and Lothar, most definitely. Uh, I think that one evening that we were exchanging emails about Bloodmore audio dramas, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, you know, you were suggested by a bunch of people to be in these. And I was like, well, I need, I need somebody... And, you know, he sent me a sample of what he did. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Uh, and it turns out that Lothar is probably the best actor I've ever worked with. Mm. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he just understands what I've written and he knows how to come across. And then we were we were emailing. Uh, how many emails was it that evening? Oh, uh, Lothar, it tons. must have been about 20. Yeah, we, we found out very we were, early on that we were we had very similar uh, inspirations, very much formative from our the horror writing that we that we liked growing up, the TV shows, the movies, uh, the music, uh, the hard rock at the time period, and we come at it from yeah. different points of view, but the same point of love. So we were able to complement instead of being redundant with what we did. We came at it from enough of a different angle to provide something for each other, but all coming from that same core of geek love of all sorts everything weird and everything strange and outsider-ish. Yeah. And then at, then it was like one evening we did a Google video and I mean, he was, he was driving and uh, I don't know if he remembers this, but oh, he yeah. was on the road, he was driving home. And I think we spent, you, you even pulled off. I think, I think we spent an hour and a half just talking yep. about stuff that we loved and, yep. you know, we were trying to come up with ideas of other stuff. And I think a couple of, those ideas of Daniel Dredd. And I, I think mm-hmm. I'd already hit up where I eventually hit up uh, Chauncey to help uh, produce and uh, write the music for Daniel Dredd because he's right. a musician as well. And then like, like Chauncey said, the screaming I press thing, um, <laughs> you know, if we were going to do a magazine, you might as well just create a publishing venture and you have a company. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, might as well just jump right in with the whole thing. Uh, try to get uh, Cameron Hampton, our artist, involved. We did a graphic novel, which I don't think anybody ever bought. I'm not yes. sure how many copies were ever bought, except for Lothar. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, whatever Chauncey sent to me, you know. Uh, actually, which is a funny story about that. Remember, it was around Christmas time when you sent me a copy, and what I got was the Happy Elf or something. Instead, I, I still have, I still, in between, I got the cover and the back cover is uh, Screaming Eye Press Presents. Inside is the Happy Elf. And the Happy oh, Elf. Right. I like think it was a publishing error on their fault, on their that's, side. Because yeah. Like, oh, that's the elf <laughs> Within the first few pages, the elf is taking a dump somewhere. And I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't our comic. Girl, why is this better than our comic? Yeah, why is it better? Than <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, pretty, pretty crazy, you know. But uh, you know, uh, we we worked on a lot of stuff. We we uh, for Screaming Out Press, especially we we did quite a few anthologies. Um, yeah, I think we've done five anthology books at this point. Yeah. Uh, Two volumes and, of Born Under a Bad know, Sign that was Mark's idea to do something. Uh, crime stories inspired by the style of Jim Thompson. 
and we got a lot of author. We got so yeah. many, so much material. We did two volumes of that. Uh, we did Rumble, which uh, I'll let Mark explain in a moment because it's a great idea that he came up with. Um, yeah, why don't you do that and then we'll talk about the other ones? Okay, Rumble's fun. Uh, well, Rumble is like I, I remember hearing a podcast about men's magazines, and I knew about them. <laughs> men's adventure magazines from the 40s 50s and 60s and mm -hmm. probably the 70s i think late 60s early 70s was the craziest ones where they started to dip into more penthouse type material with adventure and i it, rumble is supposed to be a made-up magazine and uh with all these um Issues that they had, I think it was supposed to be a thirty-year run, and every one of them got stored in a in a building, a warehouse in Shanghai, and burned down. Mm. So there's only two or three left, and so we're supposed to be collecting those stories. And really, it's just all our stories and <laughs> and and other writers. And uh, yeah, like Lothar said, we got so many writers, uh, you know involved it was crazy uh we also ended up doing horrible little stories which is our yep. anti um uh help me out here lothar anti-censorship <laughs> thank you sorry we, we were sorry. all outraged uh, at roll yes. doll's books being edited out oh, and yeah. so we decided to do a anti-censorship book right <laughs> right which uh which we, we got Joe Lansdale and uh, Elizabeth Massey and G. Wayne Miller. Richard uh, Christian Matheson. Yeah, Richard Christian Matheson, which was crazy to get him. But that, all that was because of Gary Razor. Uh, really nice guy. He, you know, I, I told him about what we were thinking, and he was a longtime member of the Horror Writers Association. And, um, you know, he reached out and got a whole bunch of people. And most of them said yes, because it was supposed to go to uh, the fire. We, we were donating the money to fire. So they didn't have to be paid for their stories, except for get uh, copies of books, basically. And we didn't get I to guess get they paid either. Pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, eventually it will. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the, the fire stands for the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. So they're a free a free speech advocacy group, and they provide mm -hmm. legal services for people that are attacked that way. So that was our donation to them. Wow, great! See, <laughs> that's 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 why Lothar's here because he can speak so well about things as, <laughs> as that. I can only thank them, and they won't come out of my mouth as well. <laughs> the mellifluous tones, anyway. <laughs> Um, and, then our, and then our newest one is a uh, vampirology, which is a, okay. a collection of vampire stories. Hmm. Okay. Yes. So are you working on all these different projects, including the Marvel one, just concurrently, just everything all at once? And so just, you know, yeah. okay. Yeah. So well, nothing all the other comes together quickly. Crazy. You know, nothing ever comes together quickly. Right. So there's always room while working on a project to have a few other spinning plates because... You know, there's always downtime. You're always waiting on something and there's always something running late, you know. So over the years, we've definitely learned to like be all our release date is January, but we're going to tell everybody it's June. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's the best thing. Mm -hmm. Really right. is. <laughs> so um, going back to the Marvel book, um, how long did it take uh, from first interview to publication to produce the book two mm. years year and a half something like that yeah okay. yeah. yeah almost and uh, he, 
he just published in was it December? It, it was December's when Ben finally got to it. Um, it had been la laying there ready to go for about nine months, but wasn't really that ready by the time they were starting to, they were editing it or copy editing, which so it's our first book for another publisher. So we, we really didn't know anything. Right. At least I didn't. And um, Ben and their team was and great though. I had they to were keep very going helpful. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We had to keep going back and forth about certain things, but um, you know, they, I think they did a pretty good job. I, I messed up on a few things. I, I messed mm. up on the spelling of Gene Colon's name, Ooh. but mm. you know, it, it it shouldn't deter people from it shouldn't deter people from reading. You know, right, right. And we caught a lot of that. Um, our so. thoughts about it. Yeah, our thoughts about that is: what if this is a 12 year old's very first book. What if an aunt goes, Oh, Hey, let's get him that. He likes the Marvel movies and he doesn't know anything about Marvel universe, just what the movies are. Mm -hmm. Then he reads, starts reading Marv Wolfman or Val Merrick. And he goes, Hey, I want to seek these out. And he goes and he finds them online. Then he decides, well, I'm going to buy these. He buys the trades or, or he, he goes to eBay and there you go. That that's that's really the idea. It's not really for the guy who knows everything about comic books. Yeah, that's just. It's it, it, although it's, although I would say that I'm I'm a geek on reading about creators and their influences, and I was surprised by a lot of the information that came out. We we learned a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it yeah. wasn't like oh here's the same old material again. There was some really good information. Um, I always thought it was interesting when you deal with people's memories, and we can be interviewing two different people you know, about the exact same event that was a dramatic event that affected people's careers and they have completely different takes on it. And it's wonderful mm -hmm. to reinforce human nature and also just the, the fragi fragility of our own memories. Right. <laughs> now, um, I'll, ask Cha I'll ask Chauncey this because he's being the quietest, but also you said that uh, he writes the questions typically. So what uh, angle did you try to take when interviewing? Were, was it like... Marv Wolfman, we're just going to cover everything he ever did from crazy to Tomb of Dracula to the Marvel line to whatever. Or were you specific to something he did and did you stick with that? What was what did you ask him typically? Well, I by no means want to take credit for writing all the questions, but, okay. <laughs> but I did have a thought pattern when it came to that sort of thing. And that is, you know, I'm going to use this term anyway, not that they not that they all need it. But, you know, when you're interviewing somebody, you want to partially stroke their ego and you also want to partially get new information out of them. So you definitely want to have that list of of questions that covers their their legacy. You know, um, you want to be sure that you touch down on stuff. You don't want them to walk away and be all. But they didn't talk about the thing that I'm most proud of. So you want to make sure that you cover each little thing. And then, you know, a big part of it is is just when they're answering the question, finding that thing that you can tell that they either don't want to talk about <laughs> or that thing that they really do want to talk about. So a lot of yeah. it isn't in the questions. So you try to come up with this span of questions that covers all of their stuff. Mm -hmm. And then as they're talking, they, they tend to lean or pull away from something. And that's where you want to go in because um, when they lean into something, you know that you can you know, get a lot of information out of them. 
And when they pull away from something, you know that there's something interesting there, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, when they lean into something, that's when you definitely want to because some people are like pulling teeth when you're when you're interviewing them, you know. Yeah. So it's like you kind of have to ask them about stuff that they're interested in. And you know, as a older gentleman myself, <laughs> the things that I'm interested in at 47, 8, I don't know how old I am, uh, are very different than the things that I was interested in 20 at 20. And that's what we're trying to get out of them. So there's definitely a a give and take, you know, push and pull there mm-hmm. because a lot of the time they can be a little flippant about their youth. And so we're trying to get that information out of them without boring them. Yeah. And then of course, there's always the factor that they've been asked some of the same questions over and over and over. So you try to word it in a way that makes them (laughs) think that your question is a little different, you know, go ahead, Mark. Yeah. I will say this 100% of all the ones that we interviewed, loved it they wanted you to ask them the questions and they were very nice about it uh we didn't have any any bad interviews during the marvel yeah Yeah, when i say pulling teeth i just mean like they didn't know what to say or they they're they're not the type of person that just rambles off you know giving us content so we gotta sort of extract it you know, well, we didn't run into that until we started doing the Outsiders comics. Oh, yeah, there was so, a lot of that, the Outsiders comics. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the independent, the, the ones who are like indie comic yeah. book creators are a little more off than the professional Marvel DC, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure... They've been burned more than once, and they're not happening. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they both of y'all can attest to that because yep, for sure. It, it, say, take for instance, somebody like Marv Wolfman was very businesslike, but very congenial and and loved to laugh, and he loved it that that Chauncey said, "Hey, I've got the toys," and he goes, "I've got them too," and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the things, and and the other things is like when you interview somebody like Steve Englehart, I think he really really loved it that. Lothar knew the history and Lothar could pull certain things out. I mean, he, he liked what all of us was saying. He was not a, like I said, nobody was a jerk at all. No. They were easy going and they wanted to talk about their careers because it's been so long ago. Mm. And, and one or two of them would say, Hey, I don't really remember, but you know, I could give you this. One of the things like what Lothar was saying about the, everybody had a different story was about, the uh, the bullpen, mm-hmm. Roy Thomas. Half of them would half <laughs> of them would say that it existed. You hmm. go in there, oh yeah, so and so is there, and it was such a fun place. The other half say it didn't exist. You just walk in, you hand your stuff, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> right, Lothar. I mean, yep. that's what they were yep. saying. Yep. And yeah, they, I want hilarious. to just give a give a Chauncey a lot of kudos because he's had a whole lot of interviewing experience from radio and podcasts and things like that, and he really led the effort because while we took turns asking questions and in, in interacting, he pretty much drove the the actual interview process, and that was absolutely yeah. essential. Um, and then we yeah, also different we took different I, aspects of yeah. like yeah. if it's more horror or occult oriented, maybe it would be me or, you know, just as an example. And when we were doing it, who was it? Because I'm not a Transformers fan, but Chauncey's a huge Transformers fan. Mm. And what was the creator that um, did all the Transformer stuff? Bob Badansky. 
Right. No, Bob so, Badansky. Right. Bob Badansky so was the one who did yeah. all that stuff. But some of those guys also worked on it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But point being, we just basically went with our strengths of, hey, this is this is where Mark's going to lead the questions and really do the research, or it'll be me or it'll be Chauncey. So we really tried to just sort of back each other up that way and provide it so that there was never any dead space or dead air. Right. Now, how, how did you do your interviews? Is it like this on Zoom or did you do it over the phone or a little of everything? Or Most of them were like this. Um, every once in a while, you get a guy who, um, you know, can't meet like this and has to meet it over the phone. You know, uh, we had one or two that was sick, uh, you know, because some of these guys are getting up there in age. And then, uh, you know, every once in a while, we... Uh, you know, you got to get what you can via email. So you, you get it where you can. Yeah. But most of them uh, for the Marvel books specifically were were Zoom okay. uh, meetings. And so some of them I'm in my car parked out of a casino or, you know, you're driving down the road or, you know, you you, right. you do what you got to to make yourself available because they're in different time zones and different places. Right. You know. I know all that. <laughs> um, how about how long was every interview that you did or did they go all over the map? Um, scheduled an well, hour. Most of them, yeah, an hour. But it's like Steve Englehart was like an hour and a half mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. Um, trying trying to think who else went over. Um, most you know, of them went over a of little them, bit, or we would say, "Hey, we're coming up on the hour mark," and then it would just naturally end. There was only a few that were um, less, and that was usually because of health issues on their side, and they let us know ahead of time, "Hey, I can only talk for forty five minutes or something like right. that." Right. Yeah. Um, and then one one interview, one or two interviews we got from Curtis Finley from the uh, oh shoot, I forgot the name of his podcast, but he runs a Marvel podcast, mm-hmm. basically talking about the trade paperbacks of Marvel. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Curtis Finley lent me two. Um, P. Craig Russell, he he was by email, mm-hmm. uh, and and kind of by uh, messenger. At least I assumed it was him. It could have been his assistant. <laughs> but I think it was him because he was very personable, at least for a couple of those times. And then he stopped answering my messages. But, you know, for the most part, like I said, and Ed Hannigan, that was definitely through Messenger. He He's in a home now because mm. uh, I, I didn't even know that he was in a home. I didn't know he had health issues. And uh, whoever it was that uh, – was answering for him, wrote out his uh, his interview. He may have uh, told them what he wanted, or he may have, you know, co- somehow communicated it. And then I asked for, hey, do you have any art that you could send, maybe one or two pieces? And then they told me, I know he's in a home. It might have been a nurse. It might have been a nurse that was doing it for him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, yeah, that, that was actually kind of a sad thing because I, I really kind of wanted to talk to him about a few things, but uh, one of the other things and somebody who did a um, review of the book kind of criticized it. We didn't have everybody in it. And I'm like, if that, if we could include everybody, this thing would have been like a phone book. Yeah. You can't include everybody. And um, so, you know, a, a few of the people we included, we, we also had different sources, mm-hmm. you know, uh, quoted the interviews and things of, of that nature. But uh, there was there was quite a few of them. They they like Val Merrick was all into it. I think his oh, yeah. was almost two hours. 
Hmm. You might be. Right. I haven't it's heard not. of this criticism. Is getting everybody an option for anybody? Uh, I was not aware of this. You know, <laughs> well, had I known I that was an option, them. I would have totally gotten everybody. <laughs> if, all I can say is, if 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 I could dig people out of the grave for the interview, I right. would have. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, no there's way. that one guy. You know, that we channeled through <laughs> through the uh, Ouija well, board. Well. Hopefully, hopefully of living people, but if there's one that passed away while you're working, uh, is there anybody you really tried to get for the book and for whatever reason didn't and you just wish you got them and maybe in a future edition or a future yes. second Mark's volume? Know the answer to that one. Should I say who it is? <laughs> you want me to say who it is? Yeah. Roy Thomas. We had a Roy, problem with his on. manager. Oh, wow. He, he said yes. He said yes. I exchanged one or two emails with Roy mm -hmm. and he was all for it. And then somehow he kept blackballing us. They kept, you know, well, it was the manager. It was, it was his manager though, right? His manager got involved and said, don't yeah. contact him directly. But don't do that. It was exactly. like a Colonel Parker Elvis sort of situation. It was really <laughs> weird. Well, you know, I was on his, I was on his page and the guy was bragging about having Roy Thomas sign over a thousand either his autographs or comic books, whatever it was, in one sitting. And I'm going, you're making an 80-year-old guy do that? Do you really need that much more money? Isn't the Marvel movies paying for, for material they're using? I mean, it was probably just crazy. Not. I'm going to go out not. on a limb and say probably not. <laughs> well, I sent him one email saying, hey... I've already talked to your manager and would you like to do this book? We want to talk about your time with Marvel from 19, you know, from 1970 to about the time you left. And he responded back said, yes, of course. Uh, my favorite subject. <laughs> and so I kept waiting, waiting. I messaged his, uh, because one of the re one of the things in order to have Roy, we were supposed to send him two copies mm -hmm. to the manager, two copies to Roy, and thank the manager in the credits. The acknowledgments, yeah. The acknowledgments. He wanted his name first before we thought thanked everyone else. <laughs> you wanted I'm us thinking, to thank the manager before we thanked everybody else? Yes, exactly. Yes, before we even thanked our loved ones. <laughs> I'm like, is this guy messing with me? I think yeah. he is. Yeah. So I'm like, I told him, I said, I can give you the <laughs> copies, but I'm not going to thank you first. You'll be the last. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. that's fine. I think he was really messing with me. I don't think he had any, he, he was not going to let Roy, because he wanted me to send the questions to him. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need to send them to you. You're not the one that's going to answer them. You can't answer for Roy Thomas about how he first stumbled onto the idea of Conan, even though Roy probably has told it two zillion times. So, right. you know, it was, it was that we had one or two artists. I had, uh, I can't remember his name. Whoever was the artist with the master of Kung Fu for many years, he, he was like, well, I don't want to talk about my comic book stuff and i said well no reason for me to interview then because mm. i don't want to talk about i don't want to talk about you painting and showing in <laughs> you know supposed museums uh, the fine arts world that 
that's not anything to do with Marvel. So, I well, especially that, for I said, a book like this, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Are you um, painting any kung fu? Yeah, I'll speak up. Thing? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's Carl Parks. You know, he's painting this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it was things like that. And then there was another guy who uh, I forgot his name. He he doesn't really matter. He, he's probably like a lower tier artist for them. He probably only worked for them a few years. And he said, well, what makes you think your book is going to be better than the others? And I said, because I'm writing it. That's why. Hell yeah. I like that. And he didn't, he didn't email. Back. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't mean to I, be a jerk. It's just straight up. Yeah. You know? I've right. encountered all these scenarios with other things I've done. So yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Yeah. Yeah. And even, Roush this, has, even gay has people for this stories. podcast sometimes it's like, you know, really? anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth. Sometimes it's really easy. So uh, it's like, okay, yeah. Right. On Radio Wasteland, you know, I'd have these, like, uh, I'd interviewed, like, paranormal people. Yeah. And, like, uh, I'd have, like, some guy on that, like, wrote 10 books. And he's all, what, you didn't read my second book? I'm all, you're on for an hour. I'm supposed to read all 10 of your books, you know? <laughs> I read the most recent one. That's, <laughs> you know. Okay. But... I hate to say yes. I haven't read your Marvel book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, um, that might be a good question to ask at this point because you kind of brought up, you know, with that guy kind of dissing you you know i'll ask it why should we read your book you know what's what's in your book about marvel history or marvel interviews that you can't find anywhere else well let me mm. throw something in there real quick um that is also one of the hardest things that i didn't realize how hard it would be at the time which is when you do oral interviews yeah. and then take the transcription and look at it you go this is a word salad of one huge run-on <laughs> sentence. Right. Now I've got to edit it into something that people can read and understand and keep their voice. And what I think we were able to provide really well is a written, edited version that feels like a oral, organic interview. Yeah. And there's a and it goes into places that are not quite as stereotypical as what you would have gotten from uh, some of the trade mags back in the day. Yeah, these aren't yeah. articles. These are direct interviews in their words, you know. So I would say that that's a big part of of what we got from them. Plus, it's interviews with them at a specific era in their lives, mm -hmm. you know. So their views uh, going back on these things, you know, like we said earlier, the things that are important to you in your fifties are not the same things <laughs> that were important to you in your twenties, and you definitely have a more sober sober look at the reality of the situation uh that you were in um so honesty, I, I think too. that's a big part of it as well yeah yeah a lot oh, of yeah. Honesty. honesty we got some stuff from some people where it's like i'm retired i'm an old man i'm gonna like let it loose and there were some harsh words about certain <laughs> uh a very tall editor-in-chief maybe that you know is uh you know from the from back in the 80s that uh you know people <laughs> which, weren't, weren't weren't sure about which... <laughs> <laughs> Two of the interviewees uh, referred to him as the devil. Wow. Oh, right. Yeah. Those yeah. were his words. Yeah. Those were their yeah. words. Yeah. And neither so they, of them They weren't shy about giving talked. their opinion. Yeah. And maybe t maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago, they would have been a little bit more, I don't want to burn any bridges. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We got now they don't care. Right. But um, when you um, get older, you want to burn of, the bridges so they can't get to you. you know? <laughs> That's, <right>. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. um, there was a lot of inner office uh, what's the term? I, they, they didn't get along like you thought they did because 
you always read that yeah. the you know the bullpen, the Marvel bullpen was great. Everybody loved each other, but obviously not. Yeah. Uh, a lot of animosity toward some people who might have been a little more famous. I don't know if that's the right term for that, but well known in the industry. Uh, a lot of a lot of harsh words toward somebody who was their editor. You know, which is that in-between slot before everybody became editor slash writer. Mm. You know what I mean? That, that that Roy Thomas said, hey, to keep you here, I'll make you an editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 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 a lot of like, <laughs> like a certain writer is, I don't want to say who, because he's already passed anyway. But the, the artist, he was like, I don't know what his problem was. He can never hit a deadline. Why mm. couldn't he hit a deadline? I don't know. So we're all waiting around for him to write something. And in the meantime, I'm drawing doodles. <laughs> so, you know, you get that. You, you also get a lot of love for each, for each other if there's a click. Um, you know, and you, and you get a lot of stupid things like – I'm just going to go ahead and say, I don't care if he hears it, but Tony Isabella kind of said some stupid things like he was going to change Ghost Rider mm-hmm. into a regular guy mm-hmm. through the salvation. He was going to turn into a Christian Jesus. comic. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And he, he was going to make him into a stunt rider for movies. Hmm. And he was a regular guy and he was going to go out and just help people. And I'm like, no. No, he's got a demon inside of him. That's that's the whole reason he's a comic book. All right, I got to try that here. There's okay. So I appreciate that Jesus makes people's lives better uh, if they're in (laughs) Jesus and so on and so forth. So, you know, Jesus can make your life better, but that is the only thing. There is nothing else that if you add Jesus to it makes it better. It doesn't make music better. It doesn't make books better. Nothing. No. <laughs> there is not a single thing. It won't make your dinner better. There's no other place where Jesus needs to be added. <laughs> Sorry, the, personal opinion. But it can't weird to Chauncey Howard. <laughs> Something else that um not to get away from the religious uh, controversy, but uh the <laughs> One of the things that came across in a number of interviews that was very interesting that I had no idea of is that early on before the fans really became professionals in that first wave of Marvel that went into that Bronze Age, they were just professionals. So there was very little rivalry between DC and Marvel at the time, professionally. Mm-hmm. They all hung out together at the same bars. They hung out, yeah. they even like hung out at the, you know, DC people would come over to the bullpen and vice versa. And it was very just like, it's a gig and they would go back and forth sometimes. And it wasn't, it wasn't as cont- contentious as it is now. And as it's been for a while. Yeah. Hmm. Is it still that way now? I mean, it seems like, I don't Who know. Knows? I don't, okay. I don't think, I don't think any of us really know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of us really care. Yeah, it could be a lot of PR <laughs> just to kind of keep, you know, so like, like a, a, a Jack Benny type, uh, Fred Allen type <laughs> feud or something. It's not mm-hmm. really real, but yeah. it, it it sells books. So let's keep doing it. I don't know. Right. You know, because right. there's been a lot of Marvel DC co-productions over the years, you know, and uh, it seems like they get along. Except when it comes up to Captain Marvel, that's the only thing that. <laughs> anyway, well, um... I, I I did hear at one point that uh, when Bill Jemis was the publisher and uh, Casada was in, that mm-hmm. the difference be- uh, 
the fight between them and DC got really bad and that still hasn't been fully healed since then. Yeah. Um, but that's the only thing I've, I have heard anything about and that's hearsay. So. Yeah. There is a good book about it. And I'm just going to give a quick plug. I don't know the author it's on my shelf over there, but I'm not going to run over there again called Slugfest <laughs> that actually talks about the history of all this. So if you haven't read it, it's actually a pretty good read. So, oh, nice. um, cool. anyway, um, so, uh, uh, Lothar, I want to ask you this because you mentioned it way earlier, and I try to keep these things in my head, and then I forget. Um, <laughs> you said that there was kind of uh, a sort of a Rashomon type uh, recall from some of the different people. Can you cite a couple examples of where one person said this and the other person said something that was like completely contradictory to what they uh, discussed? I seemed. I, it, I think it had. I believe that it was one of the. Uh, storylines in Doctor Strange during the Englehart era and that transition between whichever writer came right before Englehart that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um, there was some conflict or not conflict, but a different opinion of the memory of who came up with that storyline and what the impetus of it was. And they were both so drastically different that I was like, okay, that's, that's very different. That's not just... <laughs> You know, did you have beans or rice, you know, on your on your dish? It was like really very different stories. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. The only reason I was asking is because, you know, I'm on the finishing touches of my two volume mad history and I interviewed a lot of people <laughs> and uh, but there isn't too much contradiction. I mean, most everyone is pretty much on the same wavelength, uh, except for their opinions of certain certain people. I won't name names in this case, but because they told me to keep it out of the book in some cases. So rather than name names, it's just that, uh, again, like, you know, with Marvel, certain editors were like, you know, <laughs> compared to others and stuff like that. We'll leave it at that, yeah. you know, from different people. So um, what else yeah, I wish gonna... people would let us... Uh... I wish people would let us interview them and then trust us to like redact it. Cause it'd be really funny to actually like publish the book with, you know, full on black line redacting the name, <laughs> you know, and then by law, you know, 10 years after their death, we're allowed to release it or something like that, you know, but right. uh, I get why the trust isn't there, but still yep. I would like to physically redact it. I think it would be funny. Mm -hmm. Now uh, at this point with this book, um, uh, are you happy with the people you interviewed or are there a bunch you missed? You said uh, Roy Thomas, of course, but uh, is there enough for a volume two or a volume two on another subject like DC or any other comic yes. company or anything like that? What, what are the plans? Yeah. If volume it, two uh, that evolved out of this would be the outsiders comic that, okay. uh, so I, I mean, it's not really a volume two, but it, it, it did directly evolve out of us working on this one as we started to get connected with more and more people and plus some of those people uh there also had some outsider comic experience so um it it did directly lead into it uh it's a side quote okay. is that a thing side quote <laughs> and you know, it's like soldier <laughs> is to uh blade runner <laughs> and um any other projects uh, you're uh, because you said you juggle a lot of different projects going on that you're considering or that you can discuss at this time uh, possibilities. Mark uh, is our grand juggler of projects. We're working oh. on some noir right <laughs> well, now, but Twisted, uh, Twisted Pulp yeah. Magazine is always on a bi-monthly basis right now. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. that's ongoing. And how many have you done of that? 
30 something? 33, oh, 34? Okay. 33 is on the way. Okay. Um, yeah. 33 is laid out and ready to roll. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. And because yeah. you said you said you juggle a bunch of different projects, so I figured, you know, is there anything that's almost on the verge of being done or whatever? Yeah. Well, well one yeah, thing that we're trying cool. to do is um the outsider book is on the on just about ready to roll. And then we're trying to do two anthologies a year. Um mm-hmm. so vampirology we we have um out vampirology. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, we have a couple of those in the works, but of course that's it's our uh, I, I say artwork but i mean you know it's their writing filtering in you know so uh you know one one topic that i was interested in was a book about holes hmm. you know uh th- there's something about a, ho- a hole that's just really creepy you know a hole in the ground a hole in the wall you know <laughs> a book about holes. but but uh what we're working on right now that i would say is working along probably the quickest is we got some uh Hope and noir in the works. It's something we like to return to on a regular basis. But uh. yeah, it's called the uh, Black Dahlia uh, Casebook, and um, you know, basically the same premise as Rumble. Basically, uh, you know, it's 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 all our stories, but we're the premise is that it's a a pulp writer who uh, through the years he had a magazine of his own, and he called it the Black Dahlia Casebook. And, you know, it's like noir, uh, Jim Thompson style, you know, mm-hmm. crime, detective, you know, and, and you know, it, it's, it's uh, supposedly he written all this under pseudonyms and it's all our names. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the things. Uh, and we're always throwing ideas out there, yep. you know, mm-hmm. we're always trying to come up with something else. Uh, mm-hmm. And well, one uh, thing that we've been halfway we done with is a different story. What's one thing we've been halfway done with for like three years is we wanted to do uh we wanted to work our way into fan fiction for David Norless. You know, oh, I'm right. sitting on uh, a, uh, I'm sitting on a the, few the halfway done stories for David yeah. Norless fan fiction, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the Norless tapes, uh Mark, but uh it's it this was, it's by Dan Curtis, the guy who did um uh Dark Shadows. Oh, and okay. Chapter yeah, Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He did one pilot called the Norless Tapes that was a great. Oh, setup. yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's that's a fantastic idea that Chauncey ran with. It's it's a really good, it, it's a really good movie up until you see the monster, which I mean, <laughs> but for TV it movie, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, the it case was very with a lot cinematic. of movies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if so, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen Trilogy of Terror. I'm trying to think of different um, things. Dan it's, Curtis did, it's, a, but... it's a great it's a great setup in that he's a journalist yeah. who disappears and his editor goes and finds all these cassette tapes that he's recorded hmm. and the setup would be he would listen to them and slowly piece together what the hell happened to david norless oh, yeah and it never went Sounds... past the pilot but that's Sounds the great that's the setup. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and uh the other thing which yeah. chauncey can talk a little bit about more is he's uh, really been leading we're trying to make the screaming eye press website a nexus of content community um, try and make that as much of an an art object as the books and magazines we put out. Mm-hmm. That's my day job is I'm a web developer <laughs> okay, and website marketer, you know, so uh, anytime I can put time into that, uh, you know, but unfortunately the cobbler's kids have no shoes. So it's like, it's hard to market yourself. You know, it's not easy. <laughs> and plus, 
Plus when it comes to marketing myself or not myself, but ourselves, you know, um, you know, this world wants a world of, um, of, of, of a specific idea. Like I type right. in, I want this specifically. And, and that is not what we want to create. <laughs> you know, what we want to create is the hodgepodge mess of, of these topics that we, we grew up with, you know? So, uh, even twisted pulled magazine is, um, really kind of a collection of pulp magazines. Uh, you know, we'll even have pinups in there with no nudity sometimes, but you know that, and that sort of pays homage in the way that it's laid out to uh playboy magazine and mad magazine and <laughs> cracked and cartoons, you know, anything that we can get our hands on that creates this sort of, um, I came up with this, this silly concept of digital vaudeville. And, and I like the idea that that's what we're trying to create is sort of, uh, um, a mess of fun. Mm. How else to explain it? Now, are you going to be taking this Marvel book or any of your other projects on the road, as it were, to the convention circuit or anything like that this time? Oh, no. oh uh, come on. Not for me. Work. Time off from <laughs> work. <okay>. No. <laughs> I mean, if, if I would anybody wanted... Yeah, I'd love to, but if anybody wants pay for plane tickets and no, that's, that's, put me no. up in a hotel, I'll, I'll do it. But... Saying local shows or something like that, you know. I We're know. still waiting to hear back from Ben on that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I grew up in San Diego, <laughs> California and yeah. went to the San Diego Comic-Con when it was very small. Then when it got larger, I worked there as a volunteer doing film stuff and everything. And it's like, I don't really want to do the convention thing. I, I, it's not yeah. going to be worth it, I don't think. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun if well, you've never done it before. Yeah. I know one thing. Lothar, you met Harlan Ellison at, at the Comic-Con. Yeah, I, that was I, great. Yeah, he was awesome. You, maybe you should tell that story. I mean, I'm, it might oh, not be much of a story, but at least it's something. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, the, the two people I got to meet that was really cool, and Ellison was just like, okay, yeah, here you go, move on. But he used to do a, um, a panel each year where he would just talk about stuff, and he would invite people to argue with him because he loved hecklers there would always be a heckler and you don't ever want to heckle harlan ellison because he just drops a nuke on you and i I was not that guy but i got to see it because it was like for three or four years i'd go to these things each year and see him do this and it was super entertaining he was a great speaker uh, but the one that i really was very happy to meet was will eisner where when i was trying to become a comic book writer i had him sign uh his uh book on sequential art as opposed to an actual comic book. And he talked to me for about two minutes and was very supportive and encouraging and just couldn't have been a nicer, more amazing guy as he's got this huge line of people and he was already in a very, you know, elderly gentleman at that point. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Well, um, you know, it was a pleasure having all you on the show. Um, Thanks. Uh, hold up the book one more time, Mark, and then I'll give. The, I'll read the title. <laughs> so it is the marvelous Bronze Age: Conversations with Marvel Comics Creators of the Seventies and Eighties. I I said it with the right emphasis that time, <laughs> like the first time I'm like, <laughs> uh, and oh, who did the cover in the book there? Hammer and Hampton. And if you notice, did you notice the one poster which is supposed to be a Doctor Strange knockoff? Mm. Who, who does that look like? That comedian. Richard <laughs> Pryor. Want to tell him Lothar? <laughs> Richard Pryor. Okay. Oh, yes. she, right. And, uh, and I have no idea who the Kung Fu guy is, but she did an excellent <laughs> job. 
she really oh, did. She does. And you you haven't shown got... the interiors. Are there any illustrations, or is it just all text? All text. Okay. Uh, oh, there's there's oh, there's photos. There's photos. Um, okay. There's photos. Uh, okay. And you, we have art. Oh man, if I can say. Oh, Bob McLeod is in the book as well, and he sent us like Teen Hulk. And oh, wow, that's right. Val Merrick, he sent us some stuff. Um, really nice dude. Um, yeah, our reception on the artwork was was much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a nightmare getting yeah, our hands on I was wondering that. about that because of your story earlier. I think Lothar said or something where, oh, the person's in a home and won't be sending you any artwork. And I was like, did you get any artwork? <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ed Hannigan was the one. Um, he wouldn't be able to, but you know, and and you know, uh, Bob McLeod he sent he sent some of his sketches mm -hmm. for the New Mutants, which is very interesting. You know, it um, again, and and stuff from my collection that I scanned, right. uh, like right. like the very first, uh, if I could find it, but it, it was the very first Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider Man. I don't, I don't know if you can see it because it's very small, but that's the cover. Oh yeah. And uh, I actually had that as a notebook when I was in the first grade, and somebody oh. stole it. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was in my collection, and and some of the Savage Sword of Conan. Um, I've got my brother's uh, Doug his uh, his subscription of what he marked off that he wanted he didn't send it off it was 32 dollars. i can't believe it was 32 dollars, but it was like i don't know it was like 15 comic books that he marked off and uh you know i've got that in the mag yeah 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 and it, it's got it's got a very old address which it doesn't even exist anymore because that house burned down so that address doesn't exist <laughs> but I, I really thought that was interesting and i wanted to make sure i gave him a copy so he can see and he goes, you still have that uh, Savage Sword? And I say, yeah, I still got it. It's <laughs> it's got tape on it, but it's still it's still there. It's missing the cover. Yeah. Okay. So, well, last question: um, how, how can people get a copy of this book and uh, contact you for this or any of the other projects you're working on? Uh, well, it's available on Amazon, and uh, it's available at uh, Bear Manor. Bear Manor, and uh, you can also find it through uh, our website, ScreamingEyePress.com. Very cool. And if they had an email question or anything, you can get the hold of you through the Screaming Eye Press uh, website as well? Absolutely. Yep. All right. That's where I'll take the hate mail. You know, sorry All about right. you. <laughs> Why didn't you get this guy in the book? Well, he died 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All exactly. right. <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Mark Lothar and Chauncey, for being my guests today. Um, I'm looking forward to reading this book because I do have a knowledge of uh, history of uh, various comic book companies, including Marvel, and a fondness for right. that era. So I'll be checking it out. So, um, And uh, just want to thank you all again for being on the show. Thank you very right, much thanks for, for us. asking us to be on. It's all been right. a blast. All right. And that concludes another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. And this is Mark Arnold, your host, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Mark Slade, Lothar Tuppen, and Chauncey Haworth for being my special guests. 
Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 248 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2024. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. (laughs) 